When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're making an ad. Napping ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. (laughs) So um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. Let's get this out of the way. We had a bet at the end of the previous episode. We did. We both lost it. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> so it's a wash. Yeah. So we we I predicted Ryan would do the previously on. You predicted Kirsten, and we got a Sandy Cohen, a big old uh, wipe the sweat off of each of our brows about having to put a thirst trap photo on the white people problem story. Yeah. Uh, for our tens of listeners to say. Um, and now here we are, the long awaited season two, episode one, the distance, going for speed, all alone in the time of need. Joe, what, Matt? There's a lot that we're gonna, <laughs> there's a lot that we're gonna talk about, but I'm just gonna put this out here. This might be my least favorite episode of the OC no! we've ever watched. I, I was so infuriated with every single person in the I literally wrote I won't say what triggered this just yet but I did write I hate every second of this episode in my notes at a certain point Um, and I think it's just because with the exception of Ryan nobody looks good in this episode Seth is a whiny baby the entire time correct Marissa is just like too much for me to deal with summer I mean I get summer's hatred a little bit there was nothing there was no piece of joy for me to cling on <laughs> anywhere in this episode but let's jump to the beginning we kick it off. There's construction happening around the house, and Kirsten and Sandy are having an argument about how to handle the Seth sailed away storyline, which turns out just sailed to Portland. Still seems ridiculous, but whatever. He sailed sailed to Portland to stay with Luke, and at one point, Kirsten yells 
at Sandy that this is because of his hippie psycho babble style of uh, raising a child. Um, just chaos here. Just chaos. Yes. Um, can we talk about the butterfly tramp stamp on one of the construction workers? <laughs> Because, you know, I yeah, mean, that's... like, I mean, you know, I was looking and it's like, yeah, uh, like it, it was a little too like thunder from down under in the Cohen household. <laughs> I I will say this much. Second episode, construction workers are still there. And it left me with a hope that the construction just goes the entirety of the second season. That it's just like a running <laughs> gag for 22 episodes is that this like construction just never ends. I I don't think the OC would dig their heels in on something like that because as we learned in season 1, they can't even stick with a central plot line for more than 4 episodes before they need to just no. erase all of the B characters and bring in a whole new crew of B characters. Yeah. yeah. So so the idea that they would pay a group of actors who are basically just extras with occasional lines to be in the Cohen house at all times just seems like way too mu- too good of a an option there. So they 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 did they shot like in between their shifts at Chippendales and you know yes yeah it's just you are correct in that no one is looking good in this yeah no one's looking good so we go so we we see that kirsten and sandy are fighting over this stuff the next group that we check in on is what's up with summer and marissa and they're sitting by the poolside at marissa's big ass mansion and summer's she's implying that she's seeing a guy named zach uh because hey cohen ran off like a big baby which like you know what good point he he absolutely ran off like a big cowardly baby um, and then we jump over to what Ryan's up to, and he's working a construction site. He's living with Teresa. Teresa, being a total sweetheart, made him a lunch with a pre-peeled orange. Like that's my least favorite part of eating an orange is peeling the orange. Yeah, I fucking hate it. No, my least favorite part is the taste of an orange. Uh- so I just. <laughs> I don't. I've realized I do not. I like most uh, fruits, but I don't like citrusy fruits. Like I'm way more of like a, like an apple, a peach, maybe even a plum here, watermelon, all that. Absolutely, oranges and tangerines and and even like to a certain like I don't, I don't know where lemon and lime fall into this whole thing, but I, I'm not a I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of those. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's not my favorite, but again, like when I do have it, it's that's the least favorite part is just getting it all messy, sticky um, on my hands. And for her to do that for Ryan, like, you know, she's she cares about him and he really I mean, like if there's one way uh, that Ryan doesn't look good is how it's it's how he's treating Teresa like the entire the entire episode. Yeah, it's just like. Uh, he just reeks of like, I'm only here because of the baby. I'm only here because of the baby. Are you familiar with a British rap group called The Streets? No. Do they talk about knifing people because he can't get a gun in England? No, The Streets is the streets is great, actually. Mm-hmm. It's like spoken... Well, let me say this. The Streets is one of those groups that you will either listen to it and be like, this is the best shit I've ever heard in my entire life, or you will think it is complete garbage and hate every second of it. 
Uh, but it's essentially that he just writes like beat poetry and he has a thick ass, like thick, thick British accent. Uh-huh. And it's like they, they technically it's not hip hop. It's called garage music. It's like mm-hmm. just a constant loop of a specific sound with him, like speaking over top of it. I loved it from the second I heard. I loved it. But my point being in one of his later albums, there's a song called, I think I love you more than you like me. And like that yeah. is, yeah, that is the vibe of Teresa and Ryan right here. Is like I think Teresa is legitimately in love with Ryan, and I think that Ryan likes Teresa. Like it's a it's a friend that he's had for a really long time, but you don't you don't see the love. It, it feels like a big brother little sister mm-hmm. type of relationship more than like a sexually chemistry like a sexual chemistry relationship um so that's that's a tough situation but i do have to credit this show julie cooper rolls in here and first of all we get a we get a shout out to china with alopecia right yes but also very quickly a line of dialogue to just totally make sure that they can write out marissa's sister for the entirety of this season where it's like, thank God we're sending her to private school. She doesn't. She shouldn't be in a place like this. No. And it's like, and goodbye to that character probably forever. <laughs> like, uh, I will give you a mini spoiler. Uh, it is not a series wrap on Caitlyn. I don't. I don't think they truly would write her off for good. But it definitely that to me feels like season one aired, and fans on the internet were like, "Where the fuck is is Marissa's sister?" Yeah. And then they were like, okay, we got to write a quick line of dialogue that she's at some like private school away from yeah. all of this at all times. Well, they even do like they do a little bit of that in the scene between Summer and Marissa where uh, where Summer's like, you know, you're a little too thin. <laughs> like, yeah. Which again is. That's, oh, yeah. That was I the whole forgot thing. to write that down. My jaw dropped, especially knowing like. Yeah. I was like, whoa, that was inappropriate. Yeah. Um, I do love the delivery that Julia, Julia, Julie Cooper gives um, when she's asking about getting the pony. And Caleb's like, doesn't she already have a pony? And she just goes, China has alopecia. A little girl should just not be riding around on a hairless pony. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Seth is living with Luke. You know what? The number one person who comes out looking like a shining bag of golden goldenness is Luke. Like mm-hmm. Luke, great. He's I mean, he's not great. He says some really douchey things, but he's very much Luke. He's very much got his his intentions well on his sleeve. And at one point, Sandy refers to Luke as like a big golden retriever, to which like Ryan doesn't even have a retort. He just goes Hi, I guess he is kind of like that because, man, if that is not the most spot on way yeah. to describe how Luke has been since like mid season one, <laughs> like, like he's just a big dumb golden retriever. He just shows up. He's happy to be there. Um, Caleb, in the meantime, we haven't really covered too much of what's going on with Caleb. Caleb is just like a paranoid, stressed out dude. Yeah, given the events of. Season one, it was heavily implied that he was about to be very much in trouble. Yeah. Uh, and now he's kind of like looking over every shoulder, thinking the phones could be tapped, uh, level of craziness. 
What does and... Julie call him? Nixon? It's like, okay, Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that like he is, you know that things are bad when he is like leaning on Sandy yeah. a lot. Like a, a man who he cannot stand. Um, and this is kind of, this is where we've, all of our characters, all of our beloved characters, these are the the spots they are on the chessboard. Now let's kind of just move through the, the, the motion. So we got Seth. He's hanging out with Luke. Somehow gorgeous women just want to throw themselves at Seth Cohen, which is a thing that will never make sense to me. <laughs> uh, but but here we are. And at one point, Luke says to Seth, you've got some serious willpower, man, because she's got a killer rack, which, boy, is it 2005. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the PDX, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then they go to get some dinner. They have a dinner guest. Hi, Sandy Cohen. Nice to meet you. Sandy Cohen has stopped by, and he attempts he attempts to convince Seth to come home. And when Seth is a total piece of shit during this diner, Sandy turns on the anger and is just like, you're being a rude, spoiled brat. Like, just dropping straight facts. Mm-hmm. I do love how sad Luke is that there's no water polo team up there at the Portland school that he's going to, though. Uh, which Seth is a douchebag about, even there. The guy who's opened up his home to this ungrateful mm-hmm. nerd, and he's making fun of his his housemate for not being able to play yeah. water polo, a sport that he's clearly quite good at. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I wrote, I truly hate every teenager on this show. And that was inspired by a scene in which Julie Cooper goes to try to get Marissa to go with them on plans that they've made, but she won't stop listening to her music. And when Julie Cooper asks her if there's something wrong, Marissa just screams dramatically and then starts throwing stuff in the pool. And I was just like, this is too much. Like, this was like a point where I was just like, I... If I wasn't recording this for a podcast, I literally think I would have just turned off the episode and walked away. Oh, at that come point. on, like, Matt. You didn't love that? I live like, come on. You got to hey, think about it, right? 2005. It's 2005. Like, it's the beginning of season two of the OC. It was such a hit. Now it's back. And like the first thing you see is like, you really want to know how I'm feeling? And she just loses it. Ah! And the catharsis that Misha Barton must have felt to just like scream. And it, it, it's like the most honest piece of like, it was her most honest performance to date. <laughs> Maybe of the entire fucking series is that whole situation right there. So we're getting drunk, Marissa, too. Like, this is like heavily. And this is the thing. Yeah, she's drunk dialing Ryan and hanging up the phone before she says it. There's just. There's a yeah. lot. I forgot there's how a, much I love this premiere, this this series of premiere. I really see, do. and I felt so differently. I want the season one premiere all over again. I love the season one premiere so much. This one, not so much. But I want to read the next two notes that I have back to back. Uh oh. Man, they're really gonna pull a miscarriage story to get everyone back to where they belong in Newport Beach. Oh no, I'm sorry. They pulled a fake miscarriage storyline. And Joe, I'm sure I'm sure that this isn't like fully correct. 
But there's a part of me in my soul that really believes that someone in the writer's room is just like, and we're done with the Teresa story. <laughs> like, 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 I really, I really think that I, I, if I'm going to make some bets, if I'm going to put some gambling bets down on the table right now, uh-huh. I'm willing to bet that this, this baby and Teresa gets mentioned less than five times over the next three seasons of the OC. Like, I really think that they just out of sight, out of mind it, this entire storyline. Well, before you do that, before you put your money where your mouth is, remember, I made a promise to you in the, in the same vein and spirit as the Gilmore guys, I would let you know when it's a series wrap on a particular character, right? Yes. So ask me. Ask me the question. Is this a se- is this a series wrap on Teresa? Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, now, I mean, this, it's a that... series wrap on her baby. <laughs> hey, Joe, is it a series wrap on Teresa's unborn baby? <laughs> Here's what I'll tell you. And this is because we got a lovely review. The other day sure on our podcast, our first review, be- just begging me to just embrace the show. And here's what I'll say. I'm glad that we record these two at a time mm-hmm. because this episode left me not wanting to watch any more OC. Second episode brought me back in a little bit. It, okay. I, you have to understand that what I've been watching in between the OC all of the last like two weeks has been Parenthood, which is not like a show I love. It's not like my favorite show in the world, but I'm I'm down to the final 15 episodes, so I'm finishing this shit at this point. <laughs> but like, it is the difference of like, both of those shows are dramas with hints of comedy. Mm-hmm. But the difference is that Everything in Parenthood feels like it's moving towards a win. Like it just feels <laughs> like like it's on an upswing. Like, hey, they're hitting a problem in the middle of this episode, but by the end of this episode, you're going to be feeling pretty good about how things are going to go for these people. Mm-hmm. That is never the feeling I feel <laughs> on the OC. It's it's like it's kind of like when we all get to that point in our lives where we're just like, I just can't. I just can't look at the news anymore. Like, I know that it's bad. I know that it's bad out there. And I was just talking to my friend about this. Like, there are times where I don't want to ostrich my head in the sand forever. Uh Uh-huh. But there's like this certain point where it's like, don't send me this news story. Don't send don't send me this news story about a thing happening in a state that I have no control over any of the decisions making there. And now I'm angry, but still feel defenseless and being able to do anything to fix what has made me so upset and angry. That's me watching the OC. Sure. <laughs> the time is I'm just like, I can't do anything to stop what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And it's making me so angry. <laughs> like, like I want to, I want to just reach into the TV and shake these kids and be like, stop being this way. <laughs> like, See, like everyone, but here's, so here's the thing, right? You, you're correct that everyone, even Ryan, <laughs> uh, is like, I mean, I said even Ryan, but like, you know, everyone is unreasonable. But like, the most unreasonable is fucking Seth. And this like... Oh, Seth is by far the most unreasonable. But I, you know what? 
I do have to give some shit to to Ryan because goddamn I don't care if you were not in love with the person that you were about to have a baby with, mm-hmm. but if that person calls you while you're away <laughs> and you've been living with them and they're just like, hey, I've got some hard news to tell you, but we lost the baby. And it's like, okay, I'll be there right away. And she's like, well, I think that the only reason you were here was for this baby. So I think we should just break up. He's just like, okay, burn all my clothes. I'm going straight to Newport Beach. <laughs> like, he packed his just... entire life in that satchel. <laughs> <laughs> like that, like Ryan is, you. that boy could not wait for any excuse to get the fuck out of Chino and back yeah. to Newport Beach. But yes, Seth is... Absolutely the most unreasonable, frustrating, infuriating character in this episode. So much so that I spent a good portion of the next episode just being like, yeah, fuck you, Seth. <laughs> Even though he didn't really do anything that infuriating, I was just still you so like, mad at fuck him. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you want to start a comic book club? Fuck you. Yeah. Like, go to hell. <laughs> Piece of shit. Piece of whiny shit. Wow. <laughs> I looked you up to you. To we were all rooting it. for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the Tyra reference. <laughs> when my mother yells uh, at me, it's because she loves me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it. Joe. God, I'm you- sorry. I was just so excited to be back in season two that I'm watching this and I was like, yeah, this this premiere is fucking awesome. It's wild. She's like drunk Marissa's back. She's fucking the gardener. Like, she, well, she's not fucking the gardener in this oh, episode. Oh, damn yet. it. Okay. Well, you know. Yeah. Damn it. And he's the lawn boy. Show respect. Yeah. The yard um, guy. Not even the, he's yeah. the yard guy. With those Jesus like over Christ. like those awful like American Eagle Aeropostale cargo shorts. We'll get into that. I think next episode could have just been called Marissa's Messy because that's <laughs> like the central plot of that whole thing. <sighs> Correct. Well, we're back. We're back in Newport Beach as the episode ends. That's that's the other fucked up thing. Not only does this fake miscarried baby give Ryan the okay to go back to Newport Beach, but then Seth's just like, oh, okay, I'll come with. This is all, all I've needed is for your baby to die for me to go back to my parents. It's also a little like, okay, I'm going to say this in the most loving, affirming way as a member and also as a member of the LGBT community, but it's a little broke back how like Ryan is going to like, like the cut, like the in the interstitial cuts between like Ryan slowly going to the taxi and he puts his hand on the thing and then Seth runs to him and they meet at the door. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah. kiss, just kiss, just kiss, like just <laughs> it's, kiss. It's what I we want to see. There's a whole lot of problems that I have with this because I also feel like legitimately no one is sad enough that Teresa about the, the baby. baby. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> absolutely no. Like Luke, Luke and Seth are reacting to this news the same way you find out like the item you want it to get at the fast food restaurant has been discontinued. Wow. Like they're just like, oh man. <laughs> like, Teresa's baby's like, the McRib. <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, I thought I still had time. <laughs> but, Teresa's baby's yeah, an egg McMuffin is- at 11 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. 11.05. You're like, son of a bitch. 
It's all the traffic's fault. Well, I better get out of this line and go to fucking Wendy's. We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ads. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Wait, is Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the That's ad. The ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Let's talk about some music. I need to I need to be cheered up. Nothing like the OC soundtrack for upbeat cheery pop jams. So this ep- this episode we get Somersault by 07. It's playing while Marissa and Summer are chilling by the pool. Uh, we got You Got Me All Wrong by Dios Melos, uh, which plays when Ryan is walking around at Teresa's house. Eastern Glow by the album Leaf when Marissa is drinking at the beach and dials up Ryan. And All the Arms Around You by Halloween Alaska is our closing song as Seth and... Ryan tried to plot out their story that they'll tell people of what brought them back to Newport Beach. Um, Joe, kind of underwhelming track list today. Uh, I'm curious what jumped out at you. Um, it was the it was the song where Ryan and Teresa are walking around aimlessly in their. You got like, me all wrong. Yeah, in their house. That's yeah. you know <laughs> the house that they share, but there's no love between them. Yes, I uh, I wrote that one down too. I think it's it's well used. It's actually I really liked the song. I actually yeah. that's one of the rare times. I think it's only happened three or four times where I'm like, I like this song. I'm gonna put it on my Spotify playlist of songs to listen to this year. Uh so very rarely do we agree on it, but this time we definitely do. So <laughs> that one locked and loaded. So Joe, there's only one more thing left to do on this podcast. We got to talk about something that we've been checking out, listening to, reading, or just enjoying in the general pop culture zeitgeist. So I will let you go first, buddy. Um, I finally watched uh, Ms. Marvel Okay. on um, Disney Plus, and uh, it was like so, it was like such the perfect uh, watch for my mood. At I at the time I was this was when I was house sitting. I've been meaning to bring this up a couple times, but it was when I was house sitting for Joshua, 
And I was just like, you know what? I can watch something. I watched Ms. Marble and it was one of the the shows that I missed last year. And I really loved it. I love like, I love the, I love how we're bringing back mutants. I love, you know, how we're slowly introducing them. And I just love the character of Kamala Khan. Also just made me really excited for when the Marvels comes out later this year. Yeah. I um I don't remember too much about Ms. Marvel. I know I watched it. I definitely remember thinking that the pilot was phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. I think that it's one of the best Disney Plus pilots. Uh that blend of like her animation and like the real world and going to the convention cosplaying and like yep. all of that. I just I loved it so so much. And then I think it just got be- I think it was released at a time where there was a lot of like new episodes of stuff falling on the exact same day and like week to week, it just kind of got buried amongst a bunch of other, like even higher tiered shows in my mind. And I just kind of forgot about it. Like I finished it, but like, I barely remember anything except for that. I really loved that pilot episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good. I mean, look, I've said this a couple times, but Marvel Marvel's entire phase four, I've got a lot of problems with, but I think that, the TV shows were not part of that problem. The yeah. movies were real rough, but they really did a great job with almost every TV show the last like two or three years. I'm going to go somewhere dark. I probably should have went first. We could have ended on the joy oh, that shit. is Ms. Marvel. How dark we I'm going to talk about, yeah, I'm going to talk about one of the most disturbing, but well-made true crime docs I've seen. Uh, Jared from Subway catching a monster. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> Have you watched this, Joe? No, but like, oh God, I'm afraid now to watch these true, the, the true crime dogs, especially from something like Jared from Subway. It's, it's, I never knew the full story of how all of the stuff came to light. Mm-hmm. And it was essentially that like, and they, they go through this in pretty good detail, but like Jared was supposed to do a radio promo for a radio station and it was this female DJ and for she said for reasons that I will never understand we were doing an event with at an elementary school and he made an offhand comment about how hot some of the kids were in the elementary school and she's like and I thought that that was weird and she's like I felt like there could be something sinister there and she basically just pretends to be into Jarrett and into what he's into and has just like secretly tape records him just like being super turned on that he's met a girl who's into the same fucked up shit as him and gets like hundreds of recorded tapes of him confessing shit. Oh my God. That she like then shipped out to places. And it's like, Oh my God. But she did a sting operation on Jared. She did her own personal sting operation, but that's like where it, that's where like the the doc gets interesting because then it turns into this whole like legally you can't you can't just be recording people <laughs> against their will for like a federal crime like well it like essentially on the all state. of that it depends yeah. on the state I think in that specific state it was like all of this becomes null and void because you didn't do it by the book yeah oh like, my god I'm sorry I <laughs> I didn't mean to be that person I'm like well it depends on the state you know like yeah you know but no 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 but it, it's like it's it is it was very I was like this is really interesting and that was like I think it's three episodes I knocked them out one random like lazy afternoon where I was like oh, I'm gonna put this shit on watch it like so are you gonna watch the, into the this... one on the Duggars the 19 kids and counting family. Maybe. Look, I'll watch 
I I I'll watch any of that shit. I I know I know that makes me sound like the the basic white bitch basis watching his watching his true crimes while sipping on his chai latte, but like that's just how that's how that's how this guy rolls when he's done all of his editing for the day. Um but yet I I think it's really well I think the Jared one is is well made and it's it's not an easy watch. Are you watching I'm, um, I regret putting it on my list actually. Are you watching <laughs> The Ultimatum, the queer version? I finished The Ultimatum, the queer version. We can talk about that real quick if you want because man do I have some takes. Well, no, I'm not watching the I apparently I you know, I work for a, an LGBT nonprofit and I'm the only one in the office who apparently is not watching the queer version of The Ultimatum. I here's here's what I'll say about the queer version of the ultimatum. This is coming from a straight white man, so take this with mm-hmm. a grain of salt. All right, hold on. I'm, I'm going to stop listening. No, I'm, ki- I'm kidding. <laughs> I feel like Netflix is pulling a real "have their cake and eat it too" move here, where it's like, look, we're being inclusive by doing an ultimatum show with only hot lesbians making out with each other. Like it just feels like it's very like. We're do we're we're inclu- we're being inclusive, but we're still making sure that we're thinking of what the men want to watch. Yeah, and like, let's be honest, Joe, you and I have a very open relationship about these types of these types of scenarios. When we were saying that we wanted a gay love is blind or a gay ultimatum, we all straight and gay knew that we wanted some sassy gay men getting into arguments about shit. <laughs> like, that was what all of our visions were for what this beautiful thing could be that Netflix could produce. And I and I really think that they... I think they just pull... I don't understand why they couldn't have done instead of eight couple Or like they did, like let's say, eight couples. I don't understand why they couldn't have done six couples of female same-sex relationships and then simultaneously follow six couples of male Mm -hmm. relationships and given us both like the it just feels like the fact that it was this very pointed it's only women season like to me i'm like i feel like i can see through what you're trying to do netflix and also having I'm I'm part of the same group of people who's like why the fuck do you have a straight woman as the host for this show like like what? What was that call? That like? Are you kidding me? There's no, there's no one. There was no one else that you could bring in. Where was Ruby this. Rose? <laughs> like, where, where was anybody? Where was Ruby? Where was um? Oh my God, the girl from the Middleman. You know what show I'm talking? You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where was she? Where's the girl from the Middleman? Where you know? Where are the where are the queer people? Yeah, I don't. You know what's even better? Bring in someone who's in. A same-sex marriage that could actually give insight and advice to these people. Yeah, where's Portia de Rossi? <laughs> Goddamn it! Like, yeah, this woman is sitting there with no no relatability to to bestow upon these couples. Um, and also, I'll say the same thing I said the other day on my friend's live stream. Um, don't marry someone who gives you an ultimatum. <laughs> don't give people ultimatums. That's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> like. That's just toxic behavior yeah. at, at its core. So don't do it. Uh, but what you should do is tune in next week for even more white people problems.
We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ads. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Wait, is Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.